Hello, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Link Live. My name is Marina Mayer, Editor-in-Chief of Food Logistics and Supply and Demand Chain Executive, and I'm here with my lovely ladies. If you want to go around the room and introduce yourselves. Hi, I'm Brielle Jagel. I'm the Associate Editor. I'm McKenna Morales, and I am the Assistant Editor. And today we are talking about supply chains in space. And if you've noticed, we have a very special guest with us. I'm so excited for this episode. Meet Jenny Lyons. She's the deputy manager at NASA's Deep Space Logistics Gateway Program at NASA's Kennedy Space Center. That is a mouthful. I'm very excited. <laughs> She's here to discuss supply chains in space, which if you think about it, who knew? But then you think about it again and you're like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So Jenny, thank you so much for joining Link Live today. We're happy to have you. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm glad to be here. I, it's, it, is, it is a very natural evolution when you think about it. And so it's important for, um, for to have you guys and your listeners um, engaged with us along the way because there's so much we can learn from terrestrial logistics um, capabilities and experience and innovation and, and technologies. And, and we're, we're hoping to leverage all that as we we make that, we push that supply chain out into space. And I think it's fascinating because you don't really think a supply chain and space go together, but when you're in space, you need supplies, you need food, you need equipment. And so, you know, to have that link there um, makes sense. Um, we have some exciting discussions we want to have, but before we completely dive in, I wanted to just remind everybody that um, registry nominations for food logistics top 3PL and cold storage providers closes May 23rd. So make sure you go to foodlogistics.com so you can get those nominations in. Also, SCN Summit State of the Supply Chain Week that kicks off June 7th. We have tons of great sessions, tons of great expert panelists, which we're going to update our registration link today with. So make sure you get registered for one, two, all of those sessions, whatever you want to do. I advise all. Um, you do not want to miss the event. Um, so back to supply chains in space. Jenny, first of all, when you think of supply chains in space, it sounds fascinating. I know you kind of started talking about it, but kind of explain to us how that works. Well, um, if you think about it, if we have if we have locations, just as you might have remote locations on Earth, you know, obviously, uh, our living and working in space is pretty remote up on that scale. So. So it's, you know, living in space, it's, it's a hostile environment. It's difficult to sustain life out there. So, you know, all of the supplies and commodities you need to, you know, to, to exist, um, much less work and explore, that all has to be brought from earth. Um, it, it's, it's, it's just a difficult environment. So the idea is to make sure that we have uh, the, the means to get critical commodities like water and air and food and supplies, as well as science and uh, experiments and equipment and get all of that. That's what we call cargo is our lingo. Um, get all of that cargo into space to sustain living and working there. And um, we've been actually living and working in space for over 20 years in a sustained fashion now on the International Space Station. And as part of that, it's um, obviously we have to um, we have to make sure that the, the crew up there have everything that they need um, to to do productive work and to to live comfortably. <laughs> and so those supplies have been um, something that we've delivered historically over the past 20 years. First with the with the space shuttle, and then with the Soyuz vehicles, the Russian Soyuz vehicles, and now with with uh, commercial vehicles. 
um, that deliver cargo. Uh, SpaceX and Northrop Grumman, uh, also the, the Japanese uh, space agency has a, a cargo carrier that they deliver, deliver supplies to the space station. So it's been a capability we've been evolving uh, we've been evolving over, over the past decades, really. What we're trying to do now is push that supply chain further out to enable further exploration into space. And so our next destination is, is the moon. Um, it's our next nearest neighbor. It's a logical next step. And so we're gonna, that's where we're gonna be going. The Artemis program that you may have heard about that is, yeah. is our, our return to the moon. Uh, and not just to go for short periods of time as much now as to go in a sustained fashion. So the idea is for us to go enable exploration that gets us back to the lunar surface to live in a, in a more sustained way. And then there are a lot of commodities that can be you know, mined on the moon. So if you can, um, you know, there's, as you understand, there's, there's ice under the surface right. of the moon. If we can mine that ice, we can get fuel, oxygen, water. We can, we can actually sustain life out there and it changes the model of what we have to deliver in terms of commodities. Um, it's, it's living off the land um, I, I don't mean, I mean, you know, I'm, it, I use yeah. that word loosely, <laughs> the loop land <laughs> to, um, to actually, you know, build a capability for us to live out there more permanently. And then once we can learn what it's like to, to live and work that far away from Earth, um, then is when we press out even further and push the supply chain towards Mars and out further into, into space. So that's the idea. The challenge is that while we, um, we are doing a great job of sustaining um, life and, and, you know, and creating a lot of opportunity for good work in low earth orbit, that's about 250 miles from the surface of the earth. Going to a lunar orbit, it's 250,000 miles from the earth. So it's a, it's a significant leap in terms of like scale, distance, um, the, the, the space environment in the lunar orbits is much harsher. Um, radiation is much more significant. There's actual delays in communications um, that make things more difficult. So there's, there's some real challenges into, into taking that model and moving it that much further away. So that's what, we're, that's what we're all about right now. That's what we're working on. This is just so crazy to me. So, so exciting because I cover a lot of logistics, but just the thought of like doing logistics and, and packing a vehicle and transporting goods, but it going to space is you know, like, it's like, so exactly. about that aspect of it. Um, and Mind then blown. also the fact of like, you know, having your own supply chain and sourcing materials on the moon. That's so exciting. But I wanted to ask, can you tell us a little bit more about um, Gateway Deep Space Logistics and why this program is necessary? Yes, well, so Gateway is going to be the new uh, orbiting platform that we're going to build in lunar orbit. So it's gonna be the equivalent of what we have now orbiting, orbiting the Earth in the, the space station, the International Space Station. This new platform will be smaller um, but it'll be in a lunar in a in a permanent lunar orbit. Um, it'll be like a, a waypost or or an outpost um, a depot <laughs> in lunar orbit for uh, for equipment and crew and supplies to all aggregate uh, before actually going to the surface of the moon. 
to, to go to the moon. So um, Gateway will be this new orbiting platform. And that's kind of one of the core elements of the Artemis, of the whole Artemis um, mission approach. So what we will be doing in deep space logistics is providing cargo carriers that deliver supplies of everything less crew, <laughs> deliver anything it's needed for those missions to the lunar surface to this outpost called Gateway. And, you know, that, that will include, um, you know, uh, lunar, the new lunar suits that we're developing, uh, you know, tools, drilling supplies, you know, permanent habitation capabilities, uh, little rovers, um, experiments, all kinds of science that we need to do um, up there, and technology demonstrations, all of that, you know, all of that, we will be responsible for delivering all of that up there uh, for, to, to aggregate there. And, um, and so it's going to be, I mean, it's very much like, well, I think that's kind of the, some of the basis of that our, our, our mission patch for the gateway program is actually like an arch, like the St. Louis arch, like the gateway arch. And, you know, if you think about like that analogy too, when we, when we as a country decided to, to expand West, St. Louis was sort of that point of departure where you gathered up your supplies and you formed, you know, wagon trains and, and then you set off into the West to explore and settle. And that's kind of what gateway, the platform gateway is going to be for us to expand forward out into first, you know, living on the moon and then even further out towards Mars and beyond. I was literally about to say, this is like the Wild West meets the future. Like, yeah, that's exactly what I thought of. <laughs> saw Brielle's face out of the corner of my eye. Just like, well, she said the West. And I was like, what? It's Are, sparkling. Did you read my mind? Did I read your book? <laughs> so, Jenny, aliens. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, um, so... NASA and your efforts were named as one of the logistics and supply and demand chain executives unsung heroes for your efforts in developing a deep space commercial supply chain. What advice do you have for the young female professionals looking to get into the space supply chain? Oh, yes, that, and that was no a, a very, <laughs> was a very nice, I was a very nice recognition and honor. Um, I don't, I, I have, I don't feel like I'm anything. I don't feel like I'm anything special. Um, when I was going, when I graduated from college, I was an average student. I wasn't, I was a good student, but I wasn't an exceptional student. Um, I worked really hard. I had always dreamed of working for NASA and I wasn't able to get hired when I first started applying, but I just kind of kept on applying. I moved from Virginia down to Florida so that I could be sort of, at the gates of the space center, you know, like I'm here <laughs> um, and, and keep applying. I, I went, you know, I took a job in, in, a, in a, you know, a related industry. In my case, it was aircraft industry. Um, and I went back to school to work on my master's at night um, in a space related major. I just, I kept building my resume. I kept building my experience and I was persistent in, in applying and, and it eventually I was hired and it was like a dream come true. I would say for people who, who have a dream of, you know, working in the logistics industry in any capacity or, or really any, any dream or any capacity is, is persistence. You know, you just have to be persistent and, you know, think to yourself, okay, what am I willing to do 
if I have a dream or a goal, you know, what am I willing to do, um, you know, within reason <laughs> to achieve that goal and, um, and, and, and make that list of things and then, you know, start taking some action so that you can, you can actually achieve what you want to and, and end up in, in your dream job, um, doing what you love to do. I love that. Sorry, Co. Continue. No, no. Just persistence is key. It's like that one phrase that's like on everything from Hobby Lobby. Just like nevertheless, <laughs> but yes. but I think that's it's a good so life lesson in general because I think you know before we got on the call we were talking about like here's a whole women panel and here's here's a fantastic role model that works for NASA who is female, who kind of like shows that, you know, anything is possible. And, you know, as a young girl, you know, you don't think, oh, I'm going to be on the moon. You don't think like that because you don't know what your options are. But I think that this sets the stage to show that, you know, with persistence and being in the right place, the right time and, and doing what you need to do, like what you've done, it just shows that it, it works. So I appreciate everything that you do to make sure that, um, the young women of, of America understand that. So thank you for that. I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, you know, luck favors the hardworking, you know, and um, so, yeah, you just got to keep, you know, you just got to find yourself in the right place at the right time. And I've been very, very fortunate. I also never thought of the fact that if you want to get into working with space and like space exploration, you can only work at NASA. <laughs> True. <laughs> so you'd have to that, try another... <laughs> No, and that, and that is, um, but that's a miss that's yeah, that's not, there are so many ways to, uh, there are so many ways and avenues to, to support the space program. If that's your thing, you know, and even, even at NASA, uh, I, when I talk to kids, I love to remind them that, you know, you STEM, I mean, I'm a huge fan of STEM Mm -hmm. and I will tout it. I will tout it all day and all night. Um, but there are a lot of jobs that are absolutely pivotal and required in order for us to do, to do all of this exciting work that we do at NASA. I mean, we have, there are, are you know, legal specialties, um, contract specialists, you know, we have a, a whole huge cadre of chief financial officer, you know, folks who support our budgeting and our, um, there are folks who work all of the facilities. There are folks who work all of our transportation. There are, um, there's just so many aspects. There, there's international relations. Obviously, our international partners are a very key piece of, of everything we do, especially big programs that we we couldn't possibly take on on our own. Um, there's a, you know there's a huge field in just dealing with that because as you can imagine, there's some challenges there. So you know, it, it, it STEM is is uh, is great, <laughs> and there are also other ways to contribute and we are really, I think, pushing harder now more than ever to make sure that we're including our industry partners in the things that we do um, at NASA. And again, I think we can learn a lot from the terrestrial logistics industry and how you, how you pack. And, and, and you mentioned cold storage. That's a key, that's a key issue for us as well. Um, you know, how you, uh, how you label and, and, and inventory equipment, how you, I mean, it, there's all kinds of there's all kinds of ways that we can learn from the terrestrial industry. So I, I think it's really it's really great that we can we can connect like that and and try and you know meld those two together. So I was a little 
out of turn or wrong when I said you can only work for NASA because there is SpaceX. There, yes. <laughs> and I know that, that uh, you guys are working with SpaceX to understand how the Artemis mission will interface with the Gateway Space Station. Can you like explain this a little bit more? Give us more insight on that? Sure, sure. Um, well, SpaceX is, is one of our many industry partners. Um, they, are, um, they were awarded our first uh, Gateway Logistics Services contract. Um, they will hopefully be the first of many, but they are, they are the first there. And so they will be uh, developing a, a cargo cargo capsule. You can kind of see it over my head here. If you can get past the solar array sticking out of my head, there's <laughs> there's a little cargo there's a little cargo carrier right in front of the moon there, and that is going to be called a Dragon XL. Um, it's going to be a, a variation of the crew the cargo dragon that they use now for International Space Station, and it's going to be an evolved, larger capability that will be capable of taking supplies out to lunar orbit, as we discussed. And so we're excited to have them on board. Um, they're a real exciting company to work with, obviously. Um, SpaceX also was awarded the launch contract to deliver the first habitable elements of Gateway. Um, so they'll be, they're not developing that, the habitat itself, but they will be delivering that to lunar orbit. Um, so they're gonna be a big player in this. And so that's exciting. Um, there are other industry partners that we're working with, like um, Northrop Grumman and Maxar. There are a, a lot of partners who are going to be involved in all of the, the communications, the refueling, um, all of those elements, of all, of, all of those capabilities and systems that it takes to, to actually live and sustain life in that lunar orbit. Well, and, and I just read online, I think it was like last week, um, that SpaceX is working with the Port of Long Beach um, to facilitate a lot of their rocket recovery. And so I just thought that was interesting because I don't think of those two worlds kind of colliding and working together. But in actuality, now that I know that that exists, like it really makes sense. So I just think the whole thing is super fascinating. It is. Their, their whole business model is built on reuse. Yeah. And um, so they, um, their, 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 their business plan, it relies on them being able to refly their rockets a number of times for, you know, for efficiency. So, so those, those arrangements that they need to make are, are pretty pivotal for them to be able to they have those big barges that they land the, the, the booster, their, their first stage rocket back on those barges and they bring them back to land and then they refurbish them to fly again. Um, so yes, those kinds of agreements um, um, are all internal to SpaceX that they, they take care of all that. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's, there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes to get you to the launch pad and the smoke and fire, which is, you know, <laughs> That's my favorite part. Yeah. But, <laughs> but there's so much else, you know, there's so much involved in just, you know, the turnaround of those systems and and um and building those in the manufacturing and production and transportation of those systems, you know, across the country. So a lot of our, our readers and our audience, you know, they're really big into what we call workforce development, professional development, kind of helping facilitate students from you know school to the real working world. So what do you, how does one get involved in, in space, in the supply chain? How do, where, what does that look like? What does the starting point look like? 
Well, they, um, we have a number of, um, we have a pretty large outreach program at NASA, um, educational outreach program. And so we do, we try and do a lot of outreach with schools. Uh, again, promoting the idea that you don't have to be an astronaut to work for NASA, <laughs> that there are tons of fields that need to be filled and filled with really smart people. Um, and that the work is exciting, even if you're not the person in the suit <laughs> being yeah. strapped in, um, that the work is still very fulfilling and, and very exciting. It's exciting to be a part of it. Um, so we, we start a lot of outreach at you know, young ages, and then we have a number of programs that provide opportunities for internships, whether they're short-term, more like job shadowing, or they're um, more, you know, more immersive, like summer, summer internships or, or, or co-op programs. We call it Pathways at NASA for college students. Um, we have those kinds of programs. We're doing a, a, a particularly focused on right now a lot of outreach with um, minority serving institutions. Uh, we have such an emphasis on diversity at NASA. As a matter of fact, we added it as another core value of the agency uh, just this year in light of everything that's been going on in the world. And, um, and I, I love that. <laughs> and so we've, we've um, really been pushing um, to ensure that we're, we're reaching out into all of the, you know, the, the institutions that support minorities so that we can make sure that they know that there's a place for everybody in this agency, whether you have a NASA badge or you work for one of the contractors that supports NASA, um, one of the industries that supports NASA, there's, um, you know, there's a place for everybody um, in exploration. I love that. Well, Jenny, thank you so much for your time today, for joining our show and for doing everything that you do and, and everything that NASA does. So thank you again. You, you really are an unsung hero, whether you like it or not, that's what I think you are because, um, you're doing great things and setting good examples. And we need more, we mean, we need more Jenny Lyons in the world. So thank you for everything. <laughs> And thank you to all of our, our viewers and our readers. And make sure you go to foodlogistics.com, sccexec.com. Make sure you download our Link podcast channel because Brielle has some great stuff cooking. Make sure you still go online to look at our video interviews because we still have some rock stars of the supply chain and pros to know online. I'm losing my voice all of a sudden. Um, so I apologize. Otherwise, thank you very much. And we'll see you next week at 11 a.m. Central. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye.